Welcome to Orchard Community Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We are glad you are here to learn, grow, and deepen your relationship with Christ. This week's message is brought to you by Pastor Matt Hoyt. Over the last several years, there's just been a whole slew of these reality TV shows about uh, saving failing businesses. And the formula is always the same. There's a failing business and an expert is called in and the expert is going to tell the owners what they're doing wrong and how to fix things. And my favorite type of these shows is the restaurant types like Kitchen Nightmare with Ramsey or Restaurant Impossible with Robert Irvine. I like Robert Irvine better. He's nicer. (laughs) And But the most fascinating part of all of these shows for me is that most of the time, the biggest issue by far is that the owners of the businesses need to change, that they need to change how they're thinking, that they need to change how they're, what they're doing, and they need to change how they're doing it. Now, you'd think that would be obvious, right? I mean, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expect to get a different result, right? And, and, you know, yet these owners of these restaurants, they have a failing business. They know that. That's why they've called in an expert to come and to help them. And yet, even though they know that, it can be really hard for the owners of these restaurants to face the truth that their way doesn't work or that it doesn't work anymore and to accept the fact that they really do need to change. And in some cases, you're watching this show and you're just kind of your jaws on the floor as you're seeing the, the total denial of these restaurant owners as they, they try to defend like their filthy kitchen and their horrible service and this awful food that you can't taste, but you can just see that it's bad. Like you could just, you could just visually see that it's not something that you would ever, ever want to eat. And often, these owners, they fight the change. They just fight it tooth and nail until at some point in the show, it just becomes painfully, painfully obvious that they are wrong. And it's only at that point that they uh, accept the reality of the situation and finally start changing for the better. And, you know, I think it's easy to watch shows like that and to think, boy, what hardheads. I mean, what's up with them, right? You know? And to miss the fact that what they're doing is a really super common thing that all of us are prone to. It can be really, really hard for us to face the facts when we've failed, to face the truth when we've made a mess of things when we have to come to the place of realizing that our way of doing things just is not working, and it can be really, really difficult for us to drop our denial and accept that we need to change. And yet, that is so often the reality of the situation. Well, tonight, we are beginning a new series of messages for Lent, and it's called Encounters with Jesus. And what we find is throughout the Gospels, 
people have these amazing encounters with Jesus. And these are really ordinary people whose lives are forever changed by these encounters that they have with Jesus. And with this series, we're going to walk through the season of Lent, and we're going to see how these people were changed by Jesus. And we're going to recognize that we can be changed through our own encounters with Jesus. So, With this series, we're also going to be seeking to refocus our hearts and our minds on Jesus, on who he was, on what he taught, and on the meaning of his death, as I mentioned before. Because a part of Lent is meant to prepare us to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus with full joy and full understanding on Easter Sunday. So we're going to begin tonight with some people who encountered Jesus. Just some random fishermen who happened to be out doing their jobs on the Sea of Galilee one day, and they had an encounter with Jesus, and their lives were changed forever. So pray with me. Loving God, we pray that you would be with us tonight that you would speak through your word and through this service about your call on our life, your call on our life for us to be people who repent and to understand what that means, that it's more than just being sorry for and turning from our sin, but it means turning to you and letting you do powerful work in us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our passage for tonight is Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. And it says this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So this passage comes at the very, very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Mark, the author of our passage, starts in verse 14 by giving us the news that John the Baptist had been arrested. John had been sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus, and he had accomplished that mission very well. And so the time for his ministry is coming to a close, just as the time for Jesus' ministry is really beginning. So Mark says then that Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of the God, of God. That word good news in Greek euangelion it also means gospel. And so Jesus describes his message about God, the gospel. He describes it as good 
news. And we always should remember that because sometimes religious people talk about Jesus in a way that doesn't sound very good. And that should be a hint to us that maybe we need to look a little bit deeper because Jesus called his message good news. Now, with verse 15, Jesus begins to tell a little bit about this good news. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, this is not all Jesus said about the gospel. This is actually kind of a summary that Mark gives us. Mark's going to give us a lot more details about Jesus' gospel later in his book. But for right now, he gives us this summary that really describes the heart of the gospel. So when Jesus says the time has come, Um, he does something interesting. He doesn't use the typical Greek word for time. Greek is the language that the New Testament was originally written in. So he doesn't use the typical word for time, which is is, um, chronos. He uses a different word, which is kairos. And kairos means like the beginning of a period of time, like an age or an era. And this is Jesus' way of saying God is doing something new. A new age has begun in a way. And this is what Jesus means when he says, the kingdom of God has come near. You see, the prophets, long hundreds of years before Jesus was born, had said that one day God would send a special person. This person would be the Messiah, and the Messiah would renew the faith of the people, but do two really key things beside that. He would deliver the people, and he would establish God's kingdom here on earth. Jesus is saying that the Messiah is here, that the Son of God is here, that a new day is dawning. Now, the problem was that in Jesus' time, the Jewish people um, thought that the Messiah was going to look a lot different than what Jesus looked like. They had it in their minds that the Messiah would be more of an earthly figure. So when they heard that the Messiah would deliver the people, they assumed, well, of course, that means he's going to raise an army and defeat the Romans, who were occupying their country. And when it says that Jesus is going to uh, establish the kingdom of God, what what that means is he's going to restore the glory of Israel to the good old days when we were really living hard for, for, for God. But God had different plans in mind. You see, God sent Jesus not to deliver the people from the Romans, but to deliver them from their sin. And he didn't send Jesus to establish an earthly kingdom or refurbish Israel as an earthly kingdom. He sent Jesus to establish a spiritual kingdom. You see, the good news of Jesus is not about land or wealth or power. It's about the hearts of people that God loves. It's about imperfect people living in a broken and hurting world, people who need God. And with Jesus, God's kingdom has arrived, and it's begun to establish itself here in this world. And in any time, wherever and whenever, people are living deeply from faith. And in those times and places where the church is what it ought to be, we see the kingdom break out. You've probably seen beautiful moments like that, and you're like, that's what it's like. 
That's beautiful. That's a taste of heaven. So Jesus calls us to live into the kingdom, and in order to do that, he says that we need to repent and believe the good news here. Now, on Sunday, we're going to really emphasize that word believe and dig into that, that, that second word there. But tonight, we're going to focus on that first word, repent. Now, I know the word repent probably doesn't sound like good news to some people, right? And sadly, there's a reason for that. Well, there's a couple reasons, but one of the, the sad reasons is that because the reality is that some religious people have misused this word. They've used it to kind of bully people. They've used it to shame people. And that's really um, a bad thing. But I want us to understand that that's not how Jesus used this word at all. It's not how he understood it at all. The Hebrew word for repent is shuv, and it means to turn or to turn back. For the Jewish people, to repent meant to turn back to God. It meant to return and come home to God where you truly belonged. So the Greek word that Jesus uses, because again, the New Testament is written in Greek, is a similar word. It's metanoia, and it means to change your mind or to change your direction. So when it comes to our faith, in one sense, the word repent, metanoia, is a call for us to be sorry about our sin and to turn away from it, to change away from it from the damage it does to us and to others. And that can be hard for us. Just like those restaurant owners. It can be really difficult for us to face our failures. To face the messes that we've made. To own up to the times that we have blown it. And a lot of times, we'd rather live in denial, just like those restaurant owners. And we'll sit there and defend our dirty kitchen and our bad service and our horrible tasting food. But if we don't repent, nothing changes and nothing gets better. But we need to notice something important here. Jesus doesn't say that because of our sin, we're lost causes. He could have said that. No, Jesus says that he's got some good news, that, that his message to repent is good news because with God, there are no lost causes. When Jesus says repent, it is a wonderful word. It is a beautiful word because Jesus taught that when we repent, God forgives. And that means that there is hope for imperfect people like you and me to turn around, to turn to God for things to get better. And that really is good news. But I want to really emphasize that last part. With the word repent, Jesus isn't just calling us to be sorry and to turn away from sin. He is. That's part of it. But Jesus is also calling us to turn to God, to give our lives to him, and to 
be changed by him, to grow more and more into the person God has made us and called us to be. And a part, really, of being changed by God, um, one scholar that I, I heard from just recently at a, at a conference was talking about metanoia. And he said a part of it is growing deeper in God and having God blow your mind constantly. And you needing to repent. God blowing your mind constantly by leading you deeper and deeper into the truth about who he is and shattering your false ideas again and again. And God leading you deeper and deeper into the truth of who you are and shattering your false ideas again and again. And so you need to repent again and again and say, I'm sorry, God, I thought you were too small. I put you in a a box only to have you break out. And I just think that's awesome. To know that there's always more with God. That he's always calling us forward. So repentance isn't just about being sorry for our sin and turning away from it. It also has this life-changing, world-changing meaning to it. So right about here in the passage, with verses 16 and 17, the scene changes, and we find that Jesus is walking on the, sea, the, the, the beach on the Sea of Galilee, and there he runs across these random fishermen, these two guys that just happened to be out fishing that day, Simon and Andrew, and they have an encounter with Jesus. Jesus calls to them, and he says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. And it's amazing Because verse 18 says that they just immediately dropped everything and began to follow Jesus. Remarkable. I'd have probably had a few questions. (laughs) Not them. And then, verses 19 and 20, Jesus goes a little further. Some more random fishermen, James and John, two other brothers, and they have an encounter with Jesus, and he also calls them, and they drop their nets too, and they follow him. And with this, Jesus has called his first disciples. Now, one of the really interesting things about this passage that scholars have written a lot about is the fact that it was not at all normal. It was not at all typical for a rabbi to go out and search for his own disciples. That's not how it worked. Usually, the disciples came to the rabbi, and they kind of begged and asked if they might be accepted as, as, a, as a, a disciple, and, and, and maybe the rabbi would say yes, and maybe the rabbi would say no. And so we have to ask the question, why would Jesus do it this way? And the reason is because Jesus had a plan, and he was intentional about it. And I think we forget that as we read the scripture all the time. We see Jesus doing stuff, and we just kind of figure he's making it up as he goes along. And we forget that Jesus had a plan, and he was intentional about everything that he did. So Jesus was intentional about choosing his disciples in this way. That's thing one I want us to know. Now, there's thing two that I want us to know about this passage. It is so interesting how these men drop everything to follow Jesus, and there's some reasons behind why they might have done that. You see, in Jesus' time in ancient Israel, the greatest thing that anyone could ever aspire to be was a rabbi. And so every little boy wanted to be a rabbi. And the way that this worked is that every little boy went to school. And at school, they were taught, you know, not only how to read and some basic things, but they were mostly taught the scripture. 
And so they had several levels of school, like we do primary, middle school, high school. And at each uh, level, they would weed out the weaker students and send them home. And if you were sent home, that was the total of your education, and you would take up the family business. But if you made it all the way through to the end, and I think there were three or four levels, if you graduated out of the top and you were the best of the best, the last thing that you would do is, like I said, you would go find a rabbi, and you would see if that rabbi would accept you as a disciple. And if he did, then you would follow that rabbi and basically apprentice with him until such a time that you might become a rabbi. But if you did not get chosen, you also were done. And you went back home and you took up the family trade, whatever that might be. So because the men that Jesus first called as disciples were fishermen, We know something about them. We know that they didn't make the grade. We know that they weren't chosen. We know that they weren't good enough. So when Jesus, the great rabbi, this great new rabbi that they'd probably heard about, called them, they jumped at the chance. But I want us to think about this. Because what this means is that Jesus intentionally called not the best of the best. Not the top religious leaders in the nation. It means that Jesus called ordinary people to be his disciples. And you know, there's several reasons for that, but the most important by far, the most important reason that Jesus did this was to make it clear that he, Jesus, is for everyone that he calls all of us to repent, to turn our lives to him, and to be changed. Now, Mark doesn't tell us the story of how each of these fishermen who encountered Jesus repented, because they would have done that. But we know that they did, and we know that as a part of that, their lives were radically changed. Because on this day, they became disciples of Jesus and they began following him and living their lives for him. And really, that's the call for every one of us to encounter Jesus for ourselves, to repent, to turn from sin to Jesus and to begin to follow him, to be changed by him, and continually transformed more deeply into his image. And the season of Lent, the whole point of this season is to remind us that we're supposed to be on that journey. That we're supposed to be following Jesus and seeking to continually be changed, be transformed by him. And it's funny how easy it is for us to forget that. So where do you need to repent of sin? Where do you need to change? Where do you need to follow Jesus more closely? Where do you need to grow? How does your faith need to be renewed? These are the kinds of questions we should be asking ourselves during the season of Lent. 
Because the truth is that God loves you right now just the way you are. But a part of that truth is that God loves you too much to just leave you where you are. God loves you way too much for that. And so he's constantly calling you and me forward to better things, to repent, to leave sin behind, to turn to him, to change, to grow, to know him and live for him more and more and more. And so with Ash Wednesday, we begin the season of Lent with repentance, with resetting and restarting ourselves and reminding ourselves of this journey that we're on with Jesus. Now, one last thing. I want to remind us that as Jesus called his first disciples, did you notice that he said, uh, come follow me? And then he said, and I'll make you fishers of people. Jesus made that call not only to those first disciples, but to all of us as disciples. And I just want to remind us of a, of a reality. The reality is that there are so many people out there, maybe some here tonight who are hurting because they feel worthless and they don't know that having been created by God, they are of great value to him. And there are people who have made terrible mistakes in their lives, sinned and done things, and they think that they can never be forgiven because they don't know the message of the good news, which is that God forgives. They don't know the good news that God loves and forgives and heals souls and changes things and changes us. And if they did know it, it would change their lives radically. But for that to happen, somebody's got to tell them. So maybe, maybe, I know that's scary, but maybe during Lent, we could do that too. Maybe we could tell somebody about how Jesus has touched our lives and how it's changed us and made an incredible difference. Amen.